Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of Straight Shot Health Talk. This is the Pain Rebel Podcast with your host, Dr. Kevin. And today we're going to talk with uh, Jean Barrialt. And Ms. Barrialt has another pain transformation story. And the reason that we're doing these stories is because the common narrative that get that most people are familiar with when it comes to persistent pain is there is not much that you can do, that you can only manage it. Um, and it's almost in some ways, it's a sentence that that this is who you're, who you're stuck with being the rest of your life. You're going to be someone with pain, and the only thing that you can do is, li- is live with that. And that, unfortunately, um, while most people kind of see it in that route, that's not what can happen. And so Ms. Barry out here, Jean, has a wonderful story, a, uh, a, a very poignant story, and it is with great pre- pleasure to have you on the show today. Jean, thank you for coming on. Thank you. All right, could you give us just a little, you know, a little taste of who you are? I mean, you, there, everybody has a story before their pain. So who were you before you really began experiencing persistent pain? Well, I was a um, police officer um, with the sheriff's office. I was very active, loved my job, was very um, an outdoorsy person, born and raised in Montana, so kind of grew up with uh, being out in nature and, and doing all the wonderful things that lots of us love. And um, so that, that did a lot of camping, fishing, hunting, biking, all, uh, all of those kinds of things before all of this kind of knocked me for a loop. So you, you're one of those people that tends to live more out of their house than inside their house. Yes, exactly. Would prefer to be outside. Prefer to be outside. And then in a profession where you were really serving the public. I mean, really, that's the ultimate job of law enforcement is to serve others. Yes, and I loved it. I loved working with people, even the bad guys. Um, It was was a great job for me. I was very happy in my career choice. Yes, it's fantastic. And I just want you to, can you expand a little bit on when you said, even working with the bad guys, what, what do you mean by that? Well, I found um, that a lot of the the criminals were um, into crime to feed an alcohol or drug habit. And basically, that was what dictated their their life and, and controlled everything that they did. And once you got past that and got them clean and sober... They, the majority of them are actually normal, everyday people who don't really want to live that way, but they're trapped by an addiction that they don't know how to get out of. You know, that, that's interesting because it's, it's a sort of a sidebar and a story that I, didn't, I haven't heard that from you before, but um, when I hear that, when I heard that, that interest in someone beyond just what they came in, you know, what the, what the crime was... Um, it's really looking at the root cause of why that they did what they did. And that, that level of understanding and empathy, it sounds like it really had an impact on what you were doing in your career. It did, because we're not addressing the issue in society, and it's, it's an epidemic. And that is what is driving the, the, the criminal behavior. It truly is. I would say probably at least 90% of... Um, People in prison and in jails are there because the bottom line is they have an alcohol or drug habit or both, and they're addicted and they don't know how they don't know how to get out. They can't see a way out, and it's destroyed their lives. And they don't know anything other than that. And yeah. and so 
when they're in jail or in prison for a while, they have no choice but to get clean and sober, and you see who they really are as a person, um, and, and it makes a difference. They, they're people just like you and me. They just are in big trouble, and they don't know how to get out. Trapped and in trouble and, and seeking a way out. You know, that's, that's a, I think, an important thing for all of us to, to, to keep in the back of our minds here. But um, what, so <laughs> I wish I, we could talk all day about law enforcement because there's so many places <laughs> I would go with that because that's, you know, that is so much, such an important thing. But I really want to focus on your story. So you're in this yeah. career. You're a highly outdoor active person. You, you're living life outside the house rather than in the house. When did so? When did things start to change for you? When did when did your pain begin? Well, um, it it actually had started. Um, I, I worked at the prison uh, for three years, the maximum security prison. Prior to coming to work at the sheriff's office, I kind of quit there on a Friday and came to work Monday at the sheriff's office, and I started having problems with my wrists and my knees and my ankles and it got so bad I couldn't hold a pen I couldn't walk upstairs and I couldn't figure out what was going on um, I saw a doctor who sent me to a rheumatologist who did all kinds of tests and said that I had uh, Sjogren's syndrome and put me on prednisone which took care of the pain I mean completely knocked it out but I didn't didn't want to live on prednisone. Um, so, you know, I, I went through that regiment for a while and, and finally switched over to, to a, um, a different drug and was able to get that under control for years. And then um, working at the sheriff's office after I had been there, oh, 12 years 10, 10 or 12 years, um, I started having problems again with my joints and my muscles and couldn't quite figure out what was going on. So talked to my doctor. Um, they ran tests, diagnosed me with, with lupus and uh, um, polyarthritis, I guess that's how you say it, um, arthritis in my joints. And, you know, they they had me on regiments of prednisone, which would help temporarily for the pain, but as soon as I would go off the prednisone, um, you know, problems would, would arise again. And I just kind of dealt with it. I, I tried to push past it and continue my life. And, and as time went on, pain uh, drains your energy. It drains your, um, your emotional state, you kind of, I kind of started slipping into a state of depression and hopelessness because I just couldn't seem like I could get past it. And it started to affect my performance at work. I, by, by that time, um, I was promoted to lieutenant and I became the jail manager. I was um, in charge of the jail and the staff and, and everything. So it was a, um, a lot of stress, a lot of responsibility, um, which didn't help my, my health issues. And I started missing work um, for the first time. I had never missed work. I'd never had any sick time or anything. I mean, I just always uh, worked and enjoyed what I did. And, and 
so as it started to affect my work, um, that became an issue. And my doctor uh, at the time, my primary care doctor, put me on um, hydrocodone for the pain, and I managed to just try to work with that. I would only take it when I'd get home. And then uh, things just continued to progress. I started having problems with my muscles, and they did a muscle biopsy and found out there were some issues there uh, with the muscles. And anyway, he finally, after a couple of years of telling me I needed to quit my job and um, stay home and take care of my health, which I really didn't want to do because that's just not who I am, um, finally, after a couple of years, I basically got to a point where I couldn't even hardly get out of bed. And it turned into a vicious cycle because you're in constant pain, you're taking pain meds, and you're depressed because you don't see a way, a viable way out of this situation. And um, I was didn't want to give up my career. And by this point, he had me on oxycodone uh, every four hours, and then he put me on fentanyl uh, patch and gradually uh, increased the dosage of that. So by the time uh, all was said and done, I was on 75 milligrams of um, fentanyl, which you change your patch every three days, so it's constantly giving you uh, the drug, plus taking the oxycodone every four to six hours. I was on that medication for 20 years and no longer could be active outdoors. I I really couldn't. Everything I knew about who I was and what my life was was gone and I felt completely hopeless and I really couldn't see a way out of this situation I was in and it it is a vicious circle because you get depressed and you know nothing seems to change my weight had gotten out of control and so I, I went and I saw a dietitian. And she started talking with me about mindfulness and meditation, something I really, you know, I'd heard of, but I didn't really understand the concepts. So I started practicing those things, and it, it seemed to help me. It helped when I was in pain. Um, I would try to just, you know, meditate and, and just sort of, try to make my body relax and just sort of take me to a more pleasant place in my head. And and it helped. And so I was excited about it because this is the only thing that, you know, I've not had anything prior that really helped other than the drugs. And um, I didn't want to take the drugs anymore because I heard on the news, all over the news about this, um, opioid epidemic and it's like whoa wait a minute I'm caught in the middle of this I I don't want to be a statistic I don't want to be that person you know that's not who I am and and so I started uh, talking to my pain doctor about 
getting me off of this stuff. And um, so I started weaning down with his help. And and then my nutritionist told me about that, would I like to learn more about, um, you know, meditation and mindfulness? And she said there was a class at the Lebanon Hospital called MAPS and that it would teach me more about these concepts and would I be interested in attending. And I said, absolutely, please, you know, sign me up. I'm, I'm willing to do anything that's going to be beneficial or helpful to me. So um, I started the, the MAPS class in May of uh, 2018, 2018. And at first, I really didn't believe the concept. I thought, oh, this, this just can't be right, that, you know, you can um, train your brain. Well, first off, that that pain all comes from your brain. I always thought, probably like most other people, that you have little pain sensors all throughout your body and that when you sprain your ankle or whatever, that that sends a a pain signal to your brain saying, oh, we've injured something, you know, there's pain here. But I learned that that is not how it works, which took me a little bit to kind of grasp the concept, because you don't, the last thing somebody in chronic pain wants to hear is, oh, it's all in your head. Well, they didn't really say it's all in your head, but they said it's all in your brain. Your brain is what um, tells your body that there's pain so that you protect that area that is having this sensation and uh, and so as I started listening and, and understanding, it gave me hope for the first time in a really long time that, hey, you know, I'm not powerless. I'm not out of control. There is something I can do. Even if it's just some little thing, there's something I can do to help myself um, get past this. And so, I mean, it was so extremely exciting to me to know that I could actually rewire the way my brain uh, deals with pain. And so I started trying it. Um, I'd have something painful. I would meditate. I would deep breathe. I would uh, try to breathe into that area that the pain was uh, occurring and it made a difference. I could ease my pain to the point that I could deal with it. You know, it wasn't running and grabbing a pain pill. It was just relax, breathe through it. Um, and it's it's completely changed my my life. I I'm completely off of all drugs. Um, I've got my weight under control. I'm no longer have high blood pressure or a whole lot of other things. I, I'm still on medication f- for my lupus and arthritis, but I'm not on any pain medicine. And matter of fact, I take a Tylenol once in a blue moon when it is bad. I mean, I was 20 years stuck 
And now I'm riding my bike. I'm going for walks. You know, I'm starting to do the things that I've always enjoyed that were taken away from me. And so I've kind of got my life back. I mean, I have a lot more to learn, but it's not hopeless. And we do have control over our pain. There is a way to get past this point. And that's the most important thing people need to know is don't give up. Don't let yourself drop into a well of depression and hopelessness that there are techniques that will help people deal with their pain and make it manageable so that they can have a life again and and get back to who they want to be. And that's what I've learned through this class. Now, I've taken it twice because it's a little bit of a complicated um, concept to really understand everything. And I probably still don't understand everything, but... (laughs) I've really learned so much about, for instance, we have a drug cabinet in our brain. Who knew? (laughs) You know, I mean, there's ways to access, um, deliberately access endorphins and dopamine and, and you even have oxytocin and, you know, all this stuff in your brain that you can access that actually do physically help reduce the pain that we feel and I mean it's just it's amazing Um, it's a lot of work Um, it's not easy but it sure beats um, where I was and and what I've been through Um, my husband and I are so much closer because you know he just doesn't have an invalid he has his wife back um it's been such a powerful experience for me um to to go through this process and to learn that i could get get off the pain meds completely and i could start to live again and and i deal with my pain now i still have some pain um but it's manageable and I don't need to take drugs to deal with it. I just deal with it through breathing and exercise and meditation. And it's pretty simple, three little things that um, have changed my life and, and given me, you know, myself back. Oh, yeah. No, and there's and, and there's so much I would love to expand on in there. Um, it, and there's a couple of key points to it because I, I kind of I'm trying to listen to this as as a skeptic because as is you know I mean I'm sure there's people listening yeah. out there that's like there's this can't be true or you know this works for you there's no way it can work for me and um in in, in one of them when it comes to like movement and or uh, meditation and mindfulness so when when you start one one you had an interest in it so there was something that you were engaged in which means if you were engaged and interested you're more likely to 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 do that activity with intent. Just right. Complete that. But the when other you part see of results, you're yeah. willing to go further. Yes, and when you start seeing results, you're willing to go further. Um, but if you, w- w- for you, when you started getting introduced to to mindfulness and meditation, 
Um, cause some people are going to say, well, I've tried to meditate and it doesn't do anything for me. So when you went into, when you started doing it, how did you apply it? How did you actually start using uh, meditation in a way that seemed to work for you? Well, first I, um, I downloaded a couple apps on my cell phone that, uh, the one I prefer is, is a gentleman. He's an, um, he's an Aussie and he's got a nice soothing, calming voice because I didn't have any clue how to really meditate. My nutritionist gave me this information on these apps. So I started, I downloaded the apps and I would just go sit in a, in a quiet room at home and I would let, turn on the app and um, go through the meditation. He guides you through it, to, you know, and um, big focus on your, your abdominal breathing just the breathing part helps you relax and get into a state of, of meditation. The other thing is, is I always thought meditation was you had to completely clear your mind, not have thoughts racing through your head. Um, and, and that's not part, that's not really what it is with mindfulness. You know, it's okay to let those thoughts pop in and just when I get, thoughts going into my head, I just go back to m- concentrating on my breathing and it bring, it re-centers me. It brings me back to that relaxed, calmed state of, medica- of meditation. Um, that's, that's how I started. And, and I didn't think I could meditate. I, I mean, like I said, I, I thought it was something you had to completely c- clear your head and not have thoughts popping around, and I I'm just can't do that. My brain's active all the time, and that's not what it is. It's so much easier than I ever thought it would be, um, and guided meditation works best for me. Um, and so that I started f- feeling a change. I mean, just the meditation and the breathing um, started helping me um, with my pain. If I did it when I was having a, a lot of pain, it helped me relax and, and calm that pain down. And anybody can do it. Anybody can learn to do it. I mean, if I can do it, anybody can do it. Um, no, I think, and I think that's important because, um, there, there's two ways that you can use a tool, right? There's the, there's the general, just starting it, which is what it sounded like you did, because when you were when you were starting that process, you were you were using it, you you were you started because of pain, but you weren't using it as applied to pain. And so from from the story that that I, I that I hear, it sounds right. like you you just you found a process for you. You took started taking those first steps, and you started doing it. And what you noticed is. And what we know that there's a huge connection between stress and pain. And when you have persistent pain, your body is in a in a highly stressed physiology. And if, if you can just stop and and take that that stress down in your body, however you do it, and and that mindfulness meditation is one way to do it. Lo and behold, you can you. It sounded like you. That's when you started seeing those first initial improvements. Exactly. That's exactly what it was. I mean, I I tried it at the suggestion of my nutritionist, and I I almost immediately felt a change. I mean, I felt more relaxed and that low, it actually, without me realizing that it had anything to do with pain management, I did notice that it reduced my pain from the, before I would start the breathing and the meditation to 
when I finished. And I mean, it doesn't have to be a long process. You know, I could do it for five minutes and no, and notice a difference. I mean, that was that was the first big oh moment for me because I had never experienced anything like that. And so, I mean, that was just that little tidbit was was a, you know a powerful thing for me because it was it was some change it was something different it was a way my pain felt better I felt better and so I definitely wanted more mm-hmm. of you know how 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 do what's the next step how do I um, use this in a more effective way and and that's when I went started the maps class. And then in the MAPS class, for people who don't know, that, again, stands for Mindfulness, Movement, and Pain Science. It's a uh, program that comes out of Samaritan Rehabilitation at the Samaritan Hospital in, in Lebanon, Oregon. Um, and there are many stories coming out of there. I, I, it's there that is a remarkable program here in the Willamette Valley in Oregon uh, that really is lots of, it doesn't talk about, they're not managing pain per se. They're really helping people understand pain and apply these tools effectively. So, right, and in 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 doing that, you are managing pain. Mm-hmm. Um, my pain level, I mean, it, it's it's almost unfathomable. I mean, I had such severe pain, and that I was taking super super strong um, pain medication, and I I really thought I would be that way for the rest of my life I saw no I had no hope I didn't think there was any way I'd ever get better and through maps and understanding mindfulness and meditation and and pain science how pain in your brain actually works and that you do have some control over that Um, when you give a person a tool that allows them some control over their life and over their pain, that's huge when you feel like you're completely out of control and hopeless. I mean, that is absolutely huge. And it it literally changed my life. And after being on that medication for so long, I didn't think it really was having any, you know, mental effect on me or, um, but it obviously was because I feel so clear and energetic and positive and it's it when you've been on drugs for a long time coming off of them is like a rebirth almost yeah and and I think that's that's important to remember is if you are in any sort of environment for a long period of time or you are, and, and I'm using the word environment in the same way that is an analogy for if you're on a medication for a long period of time, that becomes the new normal for you. And it is very difficult to see outside of that. Um, yeah. And so, um, and, and a couple other parts with, with your particular story is, I want to emphasize, so you were in law enforcement. Uh, yeah. And I have I had talked to you before, before we've done this interview, and, and you said something that I thought was really important in this day and age is... You never took these medications and got high. No. You you, you never had no. this subjective feeling like I have to take these drugs. You started on them because you were your, your physician was trying to help you. 
Right, exactly. And, yeah, I mean, I would never, if if I was getting high off of them, I would have refused to take them because that's not my mentality. I mean, I was proud of being in law enforcement, and and I would not abuse drugs. And I never felt any mind high or anything like that off of them. All it did was um, reduce my pain so that I could tolerate it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it had nothing to do with it making me feel good or getting a high, not, none of that. It was just the only way, the only choice I had at that time um, to manage my pain. And, um, yeah. Well, and, 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 again, that's how a lot of things start. And there's a, there's a lot of people, or I should say, I get the impression there's a lot of people that are on these medications that started on a path similar to you who yeah. are feeling that they're being victimized, that people are quote unquote calling them addicts. That brings up a whole different conversation for me, which, which we sort of touched on very early because um, if, even if someone had addiction, I would hope we would be empathetic and, 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 and be concerned about them and it, less judgmental of them as for some reason that that word addict carries so much, so much baggage with it. And we tend to judge that they, that individual has somehow failed or is Absolutely. it, you know, but we're, but we're, but this is a situation where you don't even have to, we're not even talking about that. We're not talking about someone who you, you were actively craving these medications, that you were pursuing them, that you were finding, trying to find other doctors. You were doing this for all the reasons that your physician said, and, yes. and yes, you were doing it so that you're, that you can start moving, but you just experienced over time that you were doing less and less and that your world was, seemed to be getting closer. And it's, it, you know, again, when, when you, at the beginning of this particular podcast, you, your life was outside your house, and, and I got the impression that after a while, your life became inside that house until recently. It was. I mean, I, I couldn't do hardly anything. My my enjoyment and happiness that brought or things that I did in life to bring me happiness had kind of come to an end because I couldn't participate in in life. And then when you become, when you're stuck in that painful area i mean you get depressed because mm-hmm. that's who wants to live like that no nobody wants to live like that and i certainly didn't want to live like that as a matter of fact when my doctor first prescribed me pain medicine i didn't want to take it because you know one i didn't want it affecting my work and two it's just not who i am i don't i don't want to take drugs but it was you know the only option that i was given and and it did help, so I took them. And then, like I like I told you, you know, I, I didn't want to be that way. And then, of course, when I heard on the news that 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 it was an epidemic, that really upset me because it's like, you know, I don't want to be part of that. That's not me. I I don't want this, you know. Uh, and I, I was determined to get off of it, no matter what. And Another piece is my pain doctor um, told me not to to go off of it. Um, when I got off the fentanyl and was only on the oxycodone, they said, well, you, you're not abusing it and you're not taking an excessively high dose. So, you know, we're perfectly comfortable with you staying on it. Um, and I'm like, you don't understand. I, I don't want to be on it. I I want to get off of it. I don't want to take this. 
And they kept giving me prescriptions, and I would go back in the next appointment and hand the prescription back to them that I didn't get filled. And then I finally just quit going because I didn't need them anymore. So that, that brings up uh, another point then um, from your perspective, because there there are some physicians who believe you were on, you know, you, let me reiterate this again, you were on 75 micrograms of fentanyl. That's a, so it's a 75 microgram patch that you change every three days. That means that's, right. there's, um, you know, and that, that medication is being infused constantly over that time period. Plus you were on oxycodone at the same time. So if we really wanted to go through the, the calculations, um, this is what we would call high dose opioids. And there are people out there, at least in the healthcare world, that will that will say, if you've been on those medications for 20 plus years, you cannot come off those medications it, it, that, that, it, that you just can't, or you have to be transitioned to another medication. So, right. And, and I was told that, okay. that you cannot come off of this. You know, you've been on it for 20, 20 years and that, you know, they didn't have a problem with me trying to lower my dose, but they did not want me going complete, trying to go completely off of it. And <laughs> I didn't want to take it. And, you know, I was adamant about that. I did not want this for myself. And it wasn't easy coming off of it. it you know, I had been, I guess I was addicted because, or had developed a dependency to it, I, I'm assuming, after 20 years. Um, and I went through, you know, diarrhea and stomach problems and coming off of it. But it was so worth it um, to come off of it. And to feel normal again. And, yeah, and, and my primary care doctor had no other option for me. I mean, I tried physical therapy. I tried acupuncture. I tried massage. I mean, you name it, I tried it. And uh, don't, I couldn't get off of it. It didn't. None of those things really helped me. Yeah, and, and that, um, so I want to, so you would you try acupuncture, tried physical therapy, trying these things. Now, the, the transition that I heard um, right now was when you decided that there, what was I going to do for myself, which was that when you started approaching mindfulness. Is that, is that yeah. correct? That's, and that's a little bit different. I mean, that, that's a different mindset to have was what can I do for myself? How, who, how can I learn this? What process can I start versus who can I go to to do something to me? Um, right. I, I wanted I wanted control back. And because what had been happening wasn't help you know, it was helping with the pain, but it wasn't helping me and it was destroying my life. And I, I wanted to take control again. And so I didn't care what they said. I, I wanted to come off of the drugs. I did not want to take them anymore. I was willing at that point to deal with the pain if I had to um, deal with it just to get off of this stuff. And being mindful and thinking about what I'm doing, how I'm doing it, and, and start concentrating a little bit more on self-care, what is the right thing for me, um, it, it just clicked for me. And I was determined to get off. And it wasn't that hard. I mean, I didn't, I didn't really, they didn't give me any other drugs to compensate. They didn't, 
really give me any options. I just quit taking it. In, in a slow fashion, though. <laughs> in a slow fashion, yeah. They weaned me down on the patch, on on the fentanyl, um, until I was down to 25, which I believe is the lowest they they produce, and and then I just quit using it, and then I started doing the same thing with the oxycodone, and I was taking two um, 10 milligram um, tablets like every four to six hours. So I would push it out further, and then I cut it to one instead of two, and then I would push it out further where I'd skip a whole day, and then I just stopped taking it. Mm-hmm. Now, that, that's amazing. It's been fabulous. And if, if, if no one else has congratulated you, although I would be, I, I'm pretty sure someone has, I will congratulate yes. you again because that, that is an amazing accomplishment. And, it, and, the, and it, what is key in this is how involved you were in that process. This is not something that, you, that, that can be dictated necessarily by anyone else. And what I'm saying by that is the things that you were doing for pain and the strategies that you were using for pain were things that required you to actually be involved in doing them and and that can be hard and you did it yeah it is it isn't easy but it's so well worth it to do it and it's just it's the mind mindset that you want to have control over better control over your life and um you know my doctor was doing what he thought was right to help me um, I was kind of angry that he put me on him in the first place because I didn't want to be addicted, but he didn't know any other way to help me, and that was the only thing that seemed to work. So, you know, he was doing what he was trained to do, and it got to the point where, you know, I needed to um, take control over my health care and not just... Um, expect the doctor to to solve all my issues. I mean, bottom line is is it's our life, it's our health, and we have to we have to you know be an active um, person in and how our health is controlled and what we choose and not choose to do, um, and and be honest with your doctor about it and. Um, like I said, when I when I went off, even the pain doctor didn't want me to go completely off. But it's, you know, I didn't want to take it, and you know, it's I don't even I only take Tylenol once in a while. I mean, that's just blows my mind that I I can get by, and, and when it hurts, and it really does work. I know people aren't going to understand this until they they try it, but. When I'm in pain, if I sit and meditate and I breathe and make myself relax, I can greatly reduce that that pain where I don't need to take anything. And, I mean, that's a huge tool. That's control. That's giving somebody who is out of control a tool to be back in control. And that's absolutely amazing. And if I can do it, I, I know other people can do it. It doesn't have to be this way. You don't have to be um, addicted to, to pain medication. 
your brain will respond to, you know, you um, changing the way you think about pain, changing the way you deal with your pain, gives you back control over that pain and over your life. And, you know, I didn't know that was even possible. And that's what I learned through the MAPS class is it is possible. You can rewire some of the synapses in your brain that, um, you know, stress, trauma, um, pain medicine, you know, all of that um, changes kind of how your brain functions, if I'm understanding correctly, and you can reverse that with hard work and practice, but you can reverse some of that. Isn't, isn't that correct? No, you, you're, you're definitely on board and, and you're and um, again, it's, just, it's, I've never been, I've, I've provided a gas talk at one maps session, but uh, I have I, to hear what you're saying is just makes me so impressed to hear about what, what they're talking about in there. Cause all that is, is definitely true. There's, um, I, I want to make a couple of things really clear because we've 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 interchanged that word addiction at sometimes, and I know that there's a loaded connotation with that. So a lot yeah. of what we've been talking about is is um, becoming dependent upon an opioid, and um, and where that intersects with addiction uh, is is for a different episode. But what when we're talking about is you know, when you're taking an opioid for a long period of time, I and I know you know you know this gene, but so for the listeners out there is. Every medication that we take has a receptor in the body because there's a natural receptor. Like there's something else in your body that uses that same thing. And so when it comes to opioids, medications, we have natural opioids in our body. And when you take extra opioid, these opioid uh, from a pill or what we would call an exogenous substance, it isn't the select little you know, it's like we have this finely tuned machine in the body and it will put a little bit of natural opioids in one area of the brain at certain points of time. But when you're taking a pill, it just kind of throws it in every system at the same time. And there's going to be changes in your brain associated with that. And we know that. And that's what the research shows. That's yeah. what, and, and that's where where people we start noticing those things, those those dependent related changes that are coming with those, where if you stop suddenly, you would have both the diarrhea, the, you know, the diarrhea and the body aches and things, but there's also brain related phenomenon with that. So, um, and I'm just using this, I, I want to, because I know the listeners out there, you're, we're, we're using different words and um, I, 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 there's just hope. And I want, um, Gene, what I love about your story is, is this, you know, it could have been, you were in law enforcement. This could have happened to, to, this happens to everybody out there. And yet you have so much hope in your story and you have, uh, you know, just hearing of what your life, you, you're back out of your house again. You know, I come, yeah. come back to that, that kind of returning. You, you lived your life out of your house and then you were in your house and now you're getting out of your house again. And it's just so impressive to me. It, it's amazing. I mean, I really feel like I have my life back. Um, after a long time of hibernating, kind of, and I mean, anybody can do this. It's, it's, it's when, when you choose to take control and you choose to take positive steps to, to change what's happening to you, it, you can, you do have the power to change it. And, and like you said, you know, our body does uh, produce these 
these chemicals that can help you deal with pain if you learn how to access them, like exercising, um, you know, um, listening to music, cuddling your husband. (laughs) I mean, all of those things I have learned actually put off positive um, drugs into your body that your body naturally produces that can help you feel better. Yeah, it's 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 amazing. So, oh, I, I could I probably could talk to you for another, <laughs> but I've I've taken up so much of your time. So, Gina, if if you wouldn't mind, would I? And, and again, we've touched on this multiple times, but if there's one thing that you would like someone out there who's struggling when it comes to pain, who maybe they are watching the news and they're scared, and maybe um, they don't have necessarily access to a maps class, and they're and and they just aren't sure where to go, what to do, what what would you want to tell that person when it comes to their pain? I would want to tell them, don't give up. There is things that you can do. There's hope. And I know that people feel hopeless when they're in that situation, but there is hope. You can um, talk to a counselor. You can go take a Tai Chi or a yoga class. Trust me, I know it sounds pretty simplistic, but it does help. Learn to meditate. Learn to deep breathe and try to make your body relax. Um, There's all kinds of stuff on on YouTube to help you with relaxing your body, learning how to meditate, learning how to deep breathe. I mean, we breathe all the time, but we don't think about it. It's uh, just an automatic process. But when you do put thought into how you're breathing and deliberately breathe in a particular way, um, it does make a difference. And um, there are help, there's help out there, and you need to take control of, um, you know, accessing that help in any way that you can. If one thing doesn't work, try something else, but don't give up because um, it's possible for you to get back your life. And that possibility of getting back your life, I think, is a, is a great place to end here. Thank, thank you, Jean, so much for coming on today and, and talking with us and giving your, your perspective. Um, it is always a pleasure to talk with you, and I really appreciate this having a chance now to even go deeper into your story. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing yeah. it with us today. Thank you very much. I, I appreciate your time. And for everybody else out there, again, there's a lot of fear when it comes to to pain. There's it, there's a lot of a language when it's tossed around about opioids, but ultimately the goal is to help people get better. And and just I'm just going to reiterate what, what Jean said here is, is not to give up. Sometimes it's looking in a different place. Sometimes it's using a tool that you may have tried in the past, applying it in a different way that recognize there's better there there are options for you that you can have your life back. And that ultimately is to is the goal here. And so with that, everybody, thank you for joining us. And until next time, stay well. <laughs>